are beginning a new series of messages today called The Power of Grace. And I just thought as we headed into the Thanksgiving season that it would be good for us to just focus on the whole idea of grace. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you're probably familiar with the term grace. We even have an acronym for it, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so basically, very basically what grace means is grace is receiving something from God that you don't deserve. And I think for for me anyway, and I would guess for a lot of us, that that grace is something that's sort of hard to get our hands around because if I'm receiving something that I don't deserve, it, it sort of means that I'm that I need help. I mean, it, it means that I'm that I'm weak, that I need I need somebody else to provide strength for me. And so the whole idea of weakness is bothersome to me because I don't like to think of myself as being weak. I don't like to think of myself as needing really anything. I saw a, a, an interesting story. It was about a hiking trail in the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. And they, had, they were handing out suggestion cards to hikers. And so they said, when you come back, drop them off in the suggestion box, and we'd like to get your, you know, sort of your take on, on your experience here and ways we can improve it. And so it was interesting. Some of the responses they received from the people, they just sort of made them laugh. Uh, one of the responses said, it would be nice if you would build your trails where they weren't all uphill. Um, Another one said, wouldn't it be neat if y'all actually had an escalator on the really steep parts? And then my favorite one is uh, where it said that we would really like it if you had a McDonald's at one of the trailheads. Now, the whole idea here, other than the fact that we are just absolutely lazy people, uh, the whole idea here is that anytime we are inconvenienced, anytime that we are weak, and we don't like it. You know, we like it when everything sort of works out for us. And so that's why we're beginning this new series of messages called The Power of Grace. Uh, Very simply put again, grace is us receiving something from God that we don't deserve. And what we're going to see is that even in the midst of weakness, which we like to deny, even whenever we are hurting and we feel vulnerable, It is oftentimes in those times that you experience the power of God's grace. Now, I believe there's sort of an I believe there's an unhealthy view as to what it means to be a follower of God and how your life sort of works out. And there's this idea out there that if you follow God, you love God, you know that everything works out well for you. You're sort of like a superhuman person that you know something. If somebody says something to you that's sort of bad and immediately you have a bible verse that pops into your head and and you can make everybody else feel better and you just feel even stronger about it Uh, there's the idea that if you are a follower of god that everything is going to work out well for you and you're never going to struggle and if you do then it means something's wrong with you that god that god is not in your life that god's hand of blessing has been removed from you and that's one reason why I like this text a whole lot that we're going to look at today. It's going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. So if you want to look there, you can. But the Apostle Paul wrote this section of Scripture. And what we see Paul doing in this section of Scripture is he's very upfront and honest, and he talks about a weakness that he has in his life, which is so rare. You think, man, this guy's like Superman. Why would he even... Why would he even talk about weakness? I know whenever I have a weakness, one thing I want to do is I want to deny it and I want to hide it. 
Paul's just very upfront, and he says, and it's in the midst of this weakness that I saw the grace of God. Guys, in your weakness, in my weakness, we can see God's grace. Now, in our text, there were some religious leaders of the day uh, who were teaching things that didn't deal a whole lot with grace. They were coming into the church. They're saying, if you want to be a follower of God, then you have to, first of all, follow the law, you know, do all the rules and regulations, you know, convert to, to our original religion, which is Judaism, and then you can begin to seek after Jesus. And when Paul heard this, it just really aggravated him. And he said this teaching, he said, it's a bunch of baloney. He didn't say that, but it was something along those lines. He said, it's not, it's not accurate. And Paul said, what we need is we need the grace of God. Now, he aggravated people so much, they were out trying to destroy his character. So in the first six verses of the chapter we're looking at today, he's setting up his bona fides as a real messenger of Jesus. But in the midst of all this, Paul runs into a weakness in his life. And in verse number 7, it says that he received a thorn in his side. Now, I don't know exactly what that thorn was. I just know Paul called it a messenger of Satan. Okay, that, it, that means it can't be good. I mean, it had to be something that was aggravating to him. It was something that was hurting him. But in the midst of all of it, he said, but I see God's grace. And I want you to know today that if you are in the midst of weakness in your life, a time of vulnerability in your life, I don't want you to think that God is done with you. I want you to know that God in your weakness, he works and he shares grace. Okay, so, so what does all this mean for us? So I just want to see today the way that God's grace works in our weakness. And one of the ways that it works in our weakness is we see that one way that God works in weakness is that His grace has the ability to humble us. God's grace in our weakness can humble us. And if you look in verse number 7, He says, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. I think all of us would agree that humility is like a good characteristic, right, that a person can have. There's probably some of you sitting here thinking, it is probably the greatest quality in my life, humility. Now, humility is a great quality. And I have to say, though, that I, I struggle with humility. Um, I struggle with uh, being weak in my life and because I believe so many times that the world is supposed to revolve around me. And, if you, and you're probably sitting there going, I can't believe you'd say that. You are the same way, I promise you. Uh, you think, just like me, everything is supposed to work out for me. And when, and if somebody does something wrong to me, how, what in the world are they doing? Don't they realize that I am God? You know, and so we get really frustrated whenever, whenever things don't go according to our plans. But here's what's interesting about when weakness comes into our lives. Whenever I experience weakness, I, I man, it puts me in my place rather quickly. It reminds me where I fit in the grand scheme of things. Uh, growing up, I've, I've always, I always played sports. Now, I'm not saying I was a great athlete, so that's, that's shocking to you all. But I was always involved in some sort of sport growing up. And I did this even whenever, as I came into adulthood, you know, we have church leagues. We did church league bowling. I don't, is that a sport? And so anyway, but I felt like it was, you know. And so we had church league bowling, and then I'd play church softball. And, and, and I, you know, I never thought anything about it. Go out, play, you know, run around, and go to bed, get up the next morning, do the same thing again. 
well, a couple of years into Village Church, we had this softball team. We need somebody to play catcher. And so, you know, in slow-pitch softball, the best athlete always plays catcher. And so I, I go in. I'm being facetious. So I, I go in, and that's the guy that squats behind the plate and catches the ball. So I did that the whole game, you know, and then the game's over. I go home. I go to bed. I get up the next morning, and I cannot walk. You know, my hamstrings were on, I'm not lying, they were on fire, and I wanted to die. And it was, it was a humbling experience for me because it was the first time, seriously, the first time in my life I had ever been sore. You know, now I'm like, well, that's normal. But it was the first time I'd ever been sore. And for the first time, I, ex- I began to realize I am not invincible in this life. You know, I, it, life had been easy in so many ways, and that happened. Well, that's where Paul is. At this point in our text, Paul was a superstar. Before he became a Christian, he was a superstar in what he did. He was an up-and-comer in the Jewish faith. He was a Pharisee. Everybody was looking to him. He was well-educated. And then God did a radical work in his life. He's on the road to Damascus. God spoke to him, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And he becomes a, he's like the, he's the Jewish Billy Graham. You know, he's traveling around. He's starting churches all in Europe and in the Middle East, and everybody's looking to Paul. He's written most of the New Testament. And then a weakness comes into his life. Verse number 7 says that a thorn came into Paul's life. Now, when I think of a thorn, I think of an aggravation, right? I mean, what, 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 when you think of a thorn, don't you think, I mean, for me, I immediately just thought of a, I thought of a rose that I gave to Emily. Will you accept this rose? Now, I, I think of a rose, and it's got, you know, those little thorns on it. You know, it's not that big of a deal. You know what, you know what thorn means in our text? It does, it's not referring to a thorn on a flower, Here's what the, the word thorn was referring to. It was referring to a sharp stake used for torturing or impaling someone. Now, does that change your idea of a thorn? I mean, I think a little tiny thorn. This is something, this is a big stick. And they ran it through people. Paul says, I have this kind of thorn in my life. This is a serious weakness, affliction that he has. Now, I don't know what it was. But it was something that caused him pain. And it was something, though, that got his attention and brought him to reality. Now, now, and that's what, that's what weakness can do to our lives, guys. It, it, and, man, it, it brings us back to reality. Well, what reality does it bring us to? Here's one. Life's short. And we don't live forever. Pain comes. It's part of life. James 4.14 says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you're like a smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, Paul knew and he discovered that this pain in his life was something that had been allowed into his life in order to get his attention, to give him the right perspective about things. And he knew that his suffering would make him strong. In our text, he said, you know, I really believe this thorn's coming to my side to humble me. You know, everything's always gone right for Paul. And now he's put back in the real world. And he begins to realize, man, this is something that God can use in my weakness in order to make me strong. Now, now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But here's what I've discovered. And what I see in Scripture, I'm sure that you have too. God has the ability to take weakness and turn it into something good. Did you know that? that one of my first stories I think of is I think of the story of Joseph. And you know, Joseph, the coat of many colors. You remember, you remember what his brothers did to him? You know, y'all pre- what did his brothers do to him? Yeah, sold him into slavery. 
So he gets sold into slavery. This is amidst, would you say that's weakness in Joseph's life? He's in prison now? He's in prison, but then years later, through God's hand being upon him, he rises to second in all of command in Egypt. And there's a drought, and all of his brothers come to him. They don't know who he is. And man, you see that, and, you th- and if you're like me, you're reading that going, this, he's going to get to put the hammer down on his brothers because they deserve it. And when they recognize it's Joseph, they're thinking, man, we are, our goose is cooked. Now, now what is, but what does Joseph do? Here's what he says in Genesis 50, 20. He says, and you, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. There's a man that had found a cocoon, and he took it home with him, and it was, he thought it was interesting. After a few days, it began to sort of wiggle around, and a moth began to make its way out of the cocoon. And he said it was pushing through, and it began to sort of struggle, and he said after a period of time, it was like it was at a, at a standstill. So he got some scissors, and he cut that cocoon open just a little bit, and he said and that moth was able to slide on out. So when he came out, he said it had this big swollen body and these little wings. He said that moth never flew. He just walked around. Now, what he didn't know is that it was that struggle coming out of the cocoon that would push the fluid in his body into his wings in order to strengthen his wings to allow him to fly. Now, guys, here's what I believe. I believe that there are times when God will allow weaknesses to come into our lives so that in the midst of the struggles that we have in life, God is filling us with strength so that we can be strong for him in life. Now, God's grace works in our life in the midst of weakness. I mean, one thing it will do, it will humble you. Weakness humbles us. But here's another way I see God's grace working, and that is that His grace in the midst of our weakness, it will move us to rely on God. Weakness will make you rely on God just about like nothing else will. Verses 8 and 9. It says, concerning this, Paul said, I got a thorn on my side. He said, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me, but he said to me, if you don't have this underlined, it's a great verse. He said, but my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I'll most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Have you noticed how weakness and pain have the ability to get your attention like nothing else? Yeah, I can go, I can go through life, everything's going, everything's going, you know, everything's hunky-dory. And I don't think about anything, just sort of float through life. But man, when I have pain... Something comes along and knocks me down. You know what I do? I begin to call to God. God, what is going on? My prayers are much more fervent and powerful in the midst of weakness than when everything else is going just fine in life. I look at Paul. What, what does Paul do? He gets knocked down by a thorn. Remember, thorn it is a stake to impale you. He begins to plead with God. That word plead is begging. He's begging with God to get rid of it. Guys, that is one thing that comes out of weakness. It will drive us to our knees faster than anything else because we begin to understand our place in this world. And we don't have control, and that's a scary thought. So you might say, well, how does God's grace become evident in a situation like this where we begin to understand that we're weak? It drives us to look to God. David in the Old Testament, King Saul was chasing him all over the place because he knew he was going to be the next king. God had blessed David. And David's running for his life. And he's fine. He's in a place where he's just about trapped. So what does David do? He looks to God. Psalm 121. That's why we sang one of the songs we sang today. 
He said, I lift my eye toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? He said, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Why does it help for us to look to God? Because of what, what our scripture says. When God says, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, all you need is me. God says, when you're weak, all you need is me. He said, be open to me, and I will fill you, strengthen you. Be open to me, and whenever weakness comes, you can make it. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't have any thorns in my life right now. Well, that's great. But let me, let me tell you something. You will. They are coming. And when, they're, when they come, you need to be ready for them. Too many times whenever we live in denial and we don't see weaknesses, guys, our pride can keep us from experiencing the power and blessings of God. Uh, there was a, a box, I used to love boxing. There was a guy named James Quick Tillis. If you remember him in the 80s, if you're a boxing fan, he was just a cowboy and he moved from Oklahoma to Chicago in the early 80s. And he said when he went there, he rode a bus. He said, I got off the bus. He said, I had two cardboard suitcases. He said, and I walked over to the Sears Tower with my cowboy hat on. He said, I sat down my suitcases. I looked up and I said, I am going to conquer this town. He said, I looked down to pick up my suitcases and there was a guy running off with them. He said, in the midst of my pride, I took my eyes off of what was important and I lost everything that I had. That's when we take our eyes off of Jesus. When we're full of pride and refuse to accept weakness in our lives, oh man, we miss out. I mean, I think of Gideon in the Old Testament. When he, when he, when he put himself to the side and allowed God to fill him, he took 300 men and conquered an army. Look at David. Whenever David put himself to the side, and he allowed God to fill him. He took a sling and defeated a giant. And villagers, whenever we put ourselves to the side, we allow Jesus to fill us. And think what God could do through us. Now, what does weakness do? And how does God's grace work? Well, it humbles us, moves us to rely on God, and here's the last one. Our weakness, it allows, it allows God's power to be evident. That's the last verse I'll read. He's, he says, so because of Christ, he said, I am pleased in weakness and in insults and in catastrophes and persecutions and in pressures. For when I'm weak, he said, then I'm strong. Now, Paul says something in this verse that's really hard for me to identify with. He says, now, I take pleasure, I enjoy this. As I am pleased in weaknesses and in insults and in catastrophes and persecutions and pressures. How many of you say that? I love those things. I don't. I look at what he says. I said, guy, is he a sadomasochist? I mean, does he enjoy pain? What, what, why is he saying this? Well, it's because of what the end of verse number 10 says. He says, it's when I'm weak. He says, it's then that I'm strong. Now, what does that mean? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Here's what I know about myself. When I'm weak, yeah, I'm weak. You know, I don't say, man, when I'm weak, I'm strong. You know, when I'm hungry, I'm just hungry. Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Well, it's because he had a, because he followed after Jesus, Paul knew this. Paul knew that I have God living with me. If you're a believer, you have the power of God inside of you. Now, you still have your old nature. That is why we still struggle with sin. That's why when many of you leave here today and you pull out on the road and somebody pulls in front of you, your first thought is not going to be to say, God bless you. 
your first thought's going to be, I can't wait to cut this guy off and make him pay a price. Okay, that is not the nature of Christ. Okay, so you have, you have the old nature, and then you have the new nature of Christ. Paul understood this. He says, and I have my old nature and my new nature in Jesus as I follow him. They are always battling against one another. Would you agree with that? You know, have you noticed that in your own life? Now, Paul wrote a really interesting text about this. It's kind of confusing, but I love it. He said in Romans 7, he said, I don't understand what I'm doing. It's like, how, that is my life verse. I don't understand what I'm doing. He says, because I do not want to practice what I want to do, right? So I'm driving out there. I, I don't want to practice what I want to do. He says, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it's what's good. So now I'm, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, except for the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability in me to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. So y'all, y'all have to read this again. Read it slow. He says, now if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's the sin that lives in me. Paul's just said, I have two sides of me. I mean, they're always battling against each other. If Paul struggled with this, let me tell you something. I guarantee you every one of us in this room struggles with that as well. Sitting Bull was an Indian chief, and he said, I have two dogs that live inside of me. He said, one of them is mean and evil, and the other one is good. And he said, and they're constantly fighting against each other. He was asked, which one wins? And he said, it is the one that I feed the most. God's grace will not be evident in our lives if we continue to fill ourselves up with us. Putting ourselves first over the things of God. But it is whenever we empty ourselves of us and we allow God to fill us, it is then in the midst of our weakness that we are truly able to be strong. See, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, not more of me. So when Paul says, I am weak, he says, not more of me, but Jesus, more of you in me. And so he says, when I am weak, it's then that I'm strong. Let me conclude with this story. I, I watched the Golf Channel. I do not know why. Because for some reason, I think it will make me a better golfer. And so I watched two weeks ago Tom Lehman talking about how to hit a longer drive. Mike Peck, that's why I was killing him the other day. <laughs> so I watched him, and here's what he said. He said, here is the, the biggest mistake amateurs make when they go. If you play golf, you'll, you'll understand this. He said, when amateurs, he goes, they grab the club. He goes, they grip it really hard. And he says, and they tense up, and they swing as hard as they can. So what happens is you're so tense, he says, the... You, you can't swing fluidly and allow the club to do the work. He says your muscles actually get in the way. It sort of blunts the power that you're generating, and the ball doesn't travel as far. So the guy said, well, how do you hit it further then? He said, what you do is if you're going to hit it further, he said you have to grab your club. Guys, so y'all can practice this after church today. So you can grab your club. He says, loosen your grip. And he said, my grip is so loose. He said, you can walk up to me, and you can grab my club, and he said, you can pull it out of my hand. He said, when I loosen my grip, he said, my, my swing is much freer, and I allow the club to do the work, and the ball goes further. Now, I thought about that, and here's a spiritual application. So there's a reason why I watch Golf Channel. It's for church. All right, here's the deal. You want to go further in life? You want God's power to work in you even in the midst of your weakness? Then loosen your grip. Loosen your grip on this world. 
Because guys, when you're hanging on, you are trying to be in charge. And God can't work through you like that. But it's when you are willing to let go and loosen your grip and say, God, I will follow you. I will swing fully with you. And you let the club, so to speak, let God do the work. You will do more than you can ever imagine. The question is, will you allow God to mold you into the vessel that he's created you to be? Will you allow him, even in the midst of your weakness, will you say, Lord, not more of me, but God, more of you? Will you do that? Because if you'll do that, it is then that you'll be able to say, like Paul, it is when I am weak that I am strong. Where are you weak today? Some of us who are weak in areas of addiction, Others of us who are weak in the area of what we put into our minds. We are weak in the way that we treat others. We are weak in selfishness. Now, obviously, none of those things are good. But when we begin to just accept that fact, instead of trying to hang on and to be in charge of all those things and make ourselves better, when we say, Lord, I am weak, and we just acknowledge it. Now, this is where I'm weak. I don't want more of me. God, I want more of you. I need you to fill me. As then, as you acknowledge your weakness, that you will see the strength of God. God is gracious, and he will give you what you don't deserve. 